Hello and welcome to Blast Beats and Bicycles. This is the Bike Hour here at 91.7 FM McAllister College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota. Got a lot of exciting stuff to talk about here today. We've got Anthony Taylor from the Lopet Foundation and the Slow Roll Programs in studio. Anthony, how you doing? Doing good. Good to see you. Great to have you here. Thanks for coming in. It's going to be a lot of fun to talk about some of the stuff that you've got going on. But as we always do uh, here in Blast Beats and Bicycles, uh, we start with a little velodrome news. Uh, exciting stuff happening in the world. We've got uh, the six-day uh, season underway in London. Uh, we're ha- just over halfway through uh, things over there, and it looks like there's been some great racing uh, in London. We also have the World Cup. Uh, has been going on in Milton, one of six of the World Cups. This is the second World Cup, and it looks like there's some good racing going on up there in uh, the Toronto area as well. Uh, One bit of sad news is that Kelly Catlin, local uh, racer on the U.S. track team, is not able to participate in the World Cup this year or this, this time because she broke her arm in a uh, training crash. So uh, the U.S. team has uh, had a little bit of a shakeup on their squad for this uh, edition of the uh, World Cups, but we're hoping that Kelly is, uh, heals quickly and it gets back on the bike and is ready to rock and roll as they get closer to the World Championships. Uh, I want to remind everybody, too, that the Minnesota Cycling Center is having their gala on November 26th. That's the Monday after Thanksgiving uh, at Surly Brewing. And uh, right now, there's a flash sale going on on uh, tickets to that gala. So if you go to uh, Facebook, there is a Facebook event. Find Minnesota Cycling Center on Facebook, and you will find uh, a link to that event. And tickets are only $30 uh, to get in uh, if you buy through this weekend. so But you got to do that before midnight on Sunday evening. All right, so Anthony, let's talk a little bit about what you're doing uh, with the Lopet Foundation and some okay. of their youth programs. Tell us a little bit about what the organization is doing. Um, you know, the Lopet Foundation, I think people know a lot about us from our events. I think the City of Lakes Lopet, um, I think we talk about it as the largest uh, winter festival in North America, right? So yep. um, the Luminary Lopet and all that goes along with that, people know us for that. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have the division of our organization called Lopet Nordic Racing. Mm-hmm. So LNR um, as a ski organization. So again, the kind yep. of people think those ski routes. Yep. Um, and then the third part of the organization is called Adventures. And so mm-hmm. I get the... Uh, you know, the pleasure of being the uh, Adventures Director cool. or the Director of Adventures for Lopet Foundation. And we are very, in Adventures, very focused on getting people outdoors broadly mm-hmm. and specifically the communities that are not in the outdoors when we, sh- when we show up. Right. So communities of color, women, and young people. Nice. And so we spend a lot of energy on, on that. And with our new facility we just opened this summer, the trailhead, I think we really will be able to deliver on that on that part of our mission uh, in a real way. That's great. So what kinds of programs do you offer through the adventure uh, group? Well, we're, we're directly connected to schools. Like I said, one of the things we do is we have a very specific focus on North Minneapolis, mm-hmm. which I am always saying one of the things we're trying to do is is reconnect North Minneapolis to Theodore Worth Park yeah. because it is on the north side. Absolutely. Um, and so we currently are working elementary school-based programs. Mm-hmm. We're in um, 11 and, and potentially 13 elementary schools this year wow. where we're doing uh, ski 
uh, Nordic ski based and bike based programs in those schools. Um, we are also in three middle schools. So we're mm-hmm. in the uh, three middle schools, Northeast Middle School and Wadden Middle School and Franklin Middle School on the north side. Wow. And we also have been seeding. Uh, we reseeded the Nordic ski program on the nor- in North Minneapolis at Patrick Henry That's with the North side, north side Combined Program um, in uh, North Edison and Patrick Henry. And we are also the supporters of the uh, NICA mountain bike team uh, for Edison, Patrick Henry, and North High Schools. And, and we have a a lot of uh, commitment to growing that program. That's great. So are, are they all after school programs that you work primarily with? Do you have things going on in the classroom as well? Yeah, the elementary school based programs are actually in school. Um, we, we've actually created a curriculum where we combine a kind of nutrition and physiology mm-hmm. program with a ski progression. Mm-hmm. And so the kids will actually get some, some uh, information specifically in those areas. And, and let's say on this day, we talk about uh, iron yep. and we talk about foods that give you iron. Then we'll talk about hemoglobin and blood and iron iron and how that fits in the body and the lungs and how wow. that, and then we go outside and we will play a game using the ski progression that we're learning mm-hmm. where, for example, I don't know if you're, you know, you haven't played it in a couple of weeks probably, <laughs> but you haven't played partner tag or freeze tag in not recent in history. Not in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, it's been recently, been but not recent, that. But not that recent. <laughs> okay. So we will create a game using the ski progression where there's a freeze tag game. And right. the way you get unfrozen, and the only way you can move, half the group is hemoglobin, half the group is iron. <laughs> and the way that you get to move is if you're an iron, you have to find hemoglobin, and then you get to move. And then if you are um, tagged, you have to break apart. And then and then again. That's great. Yeah, so it, it reinforces yeah, the idea really of how. Yeah, you really get the science. That's and exa- that's pretty deep science. I mean, when you talk about nutrition, you know, a lot of people think, <laughs> oh, you know, eat more vegetables, right? Right, that's but right. But you're, you're digging deep into the and, science. And these are third, fourth, and fifth graders, and that's what's really exciting excited about yeah. it. And they, they get it. Um, and they want up getting, and they finish that progression. Um, until we, we do eight to 10 weeks okay. of that. Yeah. And then they actually fin- uh, finish their year by competing in the city of Lake Slopit. So wow. they then do a three K, um, ski race. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, uh, that's a really big deal for them. I mean, it, it's, it's pretty amazing. And right now we that's have, great. we have, um, with, with the schools that we have, we usually have, we have about a thousand kids total, uh, participate in that event and about, wow. s- about 700 of those kids come into our ski program. Um, so great. it's, it's a pretty big deal for yeah. them, you know? Um, and how, um, how much do you emphasize the sport? I mean, obviously fitness is an important element. I'm, I'm curious because, you right. know, with the cycling center, we're trying to develop some of this stuff and, you know, to find that balance between the sport and the, and the science kind of thing. Well, you know, I think that the, the thing that, that we it, really, the frame is youth development. And I think this is the part that's interesting is that, you know, um, even in the work you're doing in our conversations, what we really get, <clears throat> and, it, and, and everybody gets this is that there is a sport. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, the truth of the matter is, is that most sports have moved away from youth development. Mm-hmm. That over time they become more and more exclusive. Yep. Right. That that's just the nature of it. Somebody's getting cut right. by the time you get to eighth grade. <laughs> that's right? the way it works. That's right? the way it works. Yep. And so they become more and more exclusive. And yeah. so by high school, I said I just said this to us to a school district. What percentage of your kids are involved in the in the big in the ball sports that mm-hmm. you are promoting and investing in heavily yep. by the time you get to high school? And the answer, if you count all the basketball teams, mm-hmm. it's like 60 kids. You, wow. you add football, which is the biggest in the yep. 60s, you get 120. So the number's really, really small. Yeah. What we're promoting with biking and skiing and these other activities is that we have the possibility of having 
as many kids as want to be involved in the program. Right. Every kid is having a personal best experience, mm-hmm. right? We're laying out a progression with biking or skiing and those mm-hmm. elements that, that kids will gain skills through that progression. Yep. And every kid is gaining skills through that progression, yeah. right? Yep. So it winds up being really about youth development. Yeah. And the other thing is that with this, we bring in adults. And what I have found, and I've studied lots of things around youth programming, the highest measure of quality youth programming is actually quality interaction between peers and adults in yeah. the activity. I got to believe that's right? true. Yeah. And biking and skiing are interesting because you do it with them. Right. Your coaching happens with them yeah, right. on the trail in a, right, in a real yep. connective way. That's right. Um, and so, you know, that's really, I think, the kind of unique and special thing. And I, and, and I just was been working with the Specialized Foundation. And, and one of the things that's interesting is that Specialized in their foundation work mm-hmm. has done, got done away with all of their sport development in terms of their investments. Right. And 100% of the foundation money is actually going into the study of ADHD and behavioral science mm-hmm. relative to impact on on the impact of that by biking. I, yep. Yep. And I that's and so there are people run their foundation are neuroscientists who yeah. bike. Wow. Wow. <laughs> right. They're not they're not cyclists who go fast. Yeah. And that that's a that's a big deal. And so I think for us as we talk about it, um, what we realize is that our the, the sport of biking, there's something about biking, something about skiing, something about being outdoors mm-hmm. that offers unique opportunities for youth development yeah. and adult development. Mm-hmm. And so there's a whole another part of what we do um, at the Lopez Foundation, which is how are we going to get women involved? How yeah. are we going to get older adults involved? How are we going to mm-hmm. get the never evers right. involved uh, in biking, skiing? Well, and that's you know we've talked running. so many times, you know, in various conversations about how do you maintain and grow, you know, an activity and enthusiasm for a, a sport, and it's really by reaching out to people who are you know never have or you know don't really understand it as a as an option for them. That's right, and yeah. creating an experience, and I think that sometimes. I'm now talking about how do we create these new emotional connections mm-hmm. early on so that they stick with it through the time where it's challenging. Yeah. And with adults, um, we don't often think about this, but we do have to think about their development as well. Adults are super fragile, man. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. we think that, you know, they are much more fragile than kids, <laughs> their, their bodies and their egos. Right. Right. Um, and so emotionally... Adults look at, you know, and they just go, oh, and Jay, he's, he bikes too much. I mean, yeah. I'm not messing with him. You right. know, I'm not messing with Anthony. Yeah, them dudes, exactly. they, you know, exactly. and, and so they go, not me. Right. And, and that's where we have an opportunity is we, you know, in those early opportunities when bringing adults and women and communities yep. of color into it, we have yep. to create some, some, some safe transitions, yeah. uh, manage no the question. emotional experience they're yep. having so that they can really um, yep. stick with this and grow. Yeah. And I can't, you know, just to that point, I can't count the number of group rides I've been on where it just becomes a hammer fest and you bring somebody <laughs> along, you try and invite them to become part of the group and they get dropped right away. And then they're, you know, they have, they don't have any fun. That's right. Or, That's right. And the, yeah, it's just, it's a really frustrating thing, especially in, you know, sort of solitary sports like skiing and cycling where it's like, okay, I'm just going to go out and get in my zone and That's I got to right. do my workout. And, you know, if you can hang. That's, That's right. That's great. That's right. Yeah. It's on you to hang, right? Exactly. Yeah, yep. but I think we can I think we can change that. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you're listening to Blast Beats and Bicycles here at McAllister College Radio 91.7 FM in St. Paul, Minnesota. In studio today is Anthony Taylor from the uh, Lopet Foundation. Uh, Anthony, I wanted to ask you too a little bit about some of the things you guys do in the summer. I mean, obviously not so ski oriented, more bike oriented, and right. you have some programs for kids in the summer too. Well, the the bike part of what we do is growing is just it's growing crazy. Um, we um, 
um, through kind of our work, you know, through adventures, I'm still working with the school-based programs in North mm-hmm. Minneapolis, but we also have a component of our programming called Trail Kids. And Trail Kids is a youth-based program. Uh, again, kind of our response to the fact that even skiers, you know, we for a while we were running youth, ath- I mean, athletic development programs for mm-hmm. youth, and that really wasn't it. Well, we really right. switched it now where we're doing youth development programs on mountain biking and trail running. Mm-hmm. So mountain biking is a huge area of growth yeah. uh, for us. Um, that has really been a big deal. But also within that is road biking. So the skiers, mm-hmm. and, and so all of those things kind of fit within there. And what we really have started to do is offer those programs of developmental for youth and make it fun on a bike, yeah. make it building skills yep. on the bike. And yep. then they have a great experience. And again, they're on this progression and they get it. Yep. But one of the offshoots of that that has been really interesting is the number of parents Mm -hmm. that have signed up to take mountain biking skills training because their kids are in the program. Yeah. Right. Yep. So we have really seen a huge growth uh, in terms of programming with that. Um, And 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 you see that, too, even with the high school cycling league. That's right. right. You know, those kids get out there and then the parents are hanging around for four hours watching a race (laughs) and they go, well, why am I not riding? You know, I need to get to be a part of this and have some fun with it. So and Nike has been um, really and again, that's how we're looking at this as a continuum. Um, And so really who was working with the eight year olds. Um, And so we've been really doing that, the eight to 13. And then Mm -hmm. we kind of hand them off in eighth grade and then they can start competing in Nike yeah. events in seventh and eighth grade. Yep. And I think there's been a lot of focus from, from yep. the Nike crew around, again, de- skills development, creating a progression yeah. trajectory, a focus on girls. The mm-hmm. The rule in Nike around girls' participation is yep. a huge Absolutely idea. Absolutely, it is. Um, yep. And so I think we really see them as partners and, and see us as feeding into that with them That's, as the continuum yeah. of that. And, I think they um, share your philosophy, too, of, you know, it's not necessarily about creating creating the next world champion, even though the most recent mountain bike world champion came out of the high school cycling that's league, right. I think California, not sure, yeah. but or Colorado maybe. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's an offshoot. That's right. Not the primary. That's right. The primary. Focus. And, and that's right. And I think Nike really gets that. And, um, and one of the, one of the offshoots of that is that Lopet foundation, we have just, this is like hot off the presses. We have just launched Lopet cycle works. Hmm. And so we are actually, um, uh, many people know Bruce Martins in the community. Yep. Yep. Um, so Bruce Martins has now come into our organization and we are launching Lopet Cycle Works, which is going to be a very particular youth development program, um, adult development program with cycling at the center of it. That's so right. we actually, as an organization, have acknowledged and understand what we see in terms of the growth mm-hmm. around cycling as part of it. So now there is an outlet, a very particular outlet for road biking, mountain biking uh, within the organization yeah. called Lopez Cycle Works. And we're That's really great. excited. That is going to be launching November 12th. And so what um, kinds of programs are going to be a part of that? So we will be doing skills development. There's going to be, again, three different areas. Mm-hmm. Um, one is going to be adventures, which we're really talking about uh, skills development, um, families and mm-hmm. youth that are looking at doing mountain biking for the experience, yep. multi, multi-day trips. There's nice. really no racing. is Racing is not the intent, but skills development is part of it. The other part of it is going to be Yodivo, which is youth development. Mm-hmm. And that area will be youth development where there is more focus on um, there's more focus on training, mm-hmm. um, but not necessarily having to compete. Right. So again, skills development with training and mm-hmm. fitness development is part of it. But again, youth development frame is the foundation of it. That's and great. then the last part is going to be our competitive programming, um, where those uh, the athletes who choose and percolate up will actually be f- focused on regional and national competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, again, look forward and we think that two things we can do. We, won't, we will be growing and developing our first champions out of Minnesota, nice. and we think we can percolate 
AAA'd up our first youth of color that will be competing at a national level. And that's even um, one of those things that actually has become uh, uh, has come to fruition from other work that we're doing yeah, nationally. That's that's fantastic. You know, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, I'm, uh, Aisha McGowan is certainly pushing that envelope, trying yeah. to become one of the you know the first African American pro. That's right. Um, but to see other people come along behind her. Uh, and really take up her mantle would be great. That's right. Well, and, and when we talk about other work, one of the, I mean, you already uh, know Justin Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we have a national network of organizations, and we can talk about it later with the National Brotherhood of Cyclists, where we have connected bike clubs nationally that are focused on African-American mm-hmm. cycling. Justin Williams came out of one of our clubs in California. That's great. And his brother came in. So, and now yeah. there's the next champion percolating mm-hmm. up. So there is actually uh, some development that's happening yeah. that, that I think we're going to percolate them up. So I'm going to I'm going to push you hard in the next coming months to get those kids up on the velodrome. Uh, You know, this is going to be our last year uh, for a few years before the cycling center gets built. And uh, so, you know, we really want to get those kids a chance to try the track. Yeah. And uh, I think and I think that's a really good challenge. We'll have to. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a long ride from Worth, right? No, it, it, <laughs> you can get there from there for sure. It's right up Minnesota Mississippi River right. Trail. Yeah, straight up there. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, the location at Worth, you guys have some really cool new infrastructure up there. Talk a little bit about the trailhead and some of those new trails that you've got built. Well, the the trailhead itself is uh, is really it's been uh, it's a new facility. It's a fourteen thousand square foot facility. It's a beautiful. I saw it you know, for the first time last week and just fell in love with the place. It is, um, and and really it is a base for launching into the outdoors and all of those activities. I think you were there for the cyclocross yep. event last yep. week, yep. and that's really we see it as an as a venue where the where the community can come together and participate. And I mm-hmm. I think that you've seen it. The way it's designed is so you're always pulled outdoors. Yeah. Right. Right? Yeah. You know, if you're standing inside, you want to be outdoors. That's right. And while you're there, the, you could see the entire cyclocross race from the yeah, absolutely right from the mm-hmm. porch there, right? Yep. yep. And so that was really intentional in terms of the design. Yeah. Um, but right now we have a um, full service ski and bike shop inside of there. Mm-hmm. We've got a full service restaurant that's going to be opening early December. Um, we uh, you can rent skis. You can all of our programming for intro to mountain biking, skiing, trail running. Mm-hmm. Um, all of our competitive programs will emanate from there. From now on, and this really becomes home base for all of the Lopet events um, that we'll be doing uh, throughout the year. That's fantastic. I'm sure it was a labor of love. It was a long time coming, but you really had some great success in the last year or so getting that thing built. And yeah, it's been it's been amazing. The the most amazing thing that there's over 2,100 people contributed. This this was really wow. um of we we had one large grant mm-hmm. uh, for this, but a majority, really almost 80 85 percent of the money was raised from the community. And what people have to understand is we built this building, got it done with the community, and we've actually donated to the Minneapolis Park Board. So this has been a collaboration with the Park Board mm-hmm. um, that has really been important. They have been tremendous stewards of the land and the, and the area there and have partnered with us on this and have given us the ability to develop the new mountain bike trails mm-hmm. there. That terrain, is they had to, they gave up uh, the valley and the, yeah. the hole there mm-hmm. um, so that we could take advantage of that terrain and redevelop that into some really yeah. amazing mountain bike courses. For competition. Yep. But the cool thing that's going to be in spring, we'll see, is the development of the skills course. That's exciting. I saw a little hints of what's happening yep. there when I was out there, and it looks really fun. Yeah. And it's, that's the part that we're really excited yeah, about. Yep. And I love the the design of the course, too, in that it's, you know, it's accessible. It's got some tricky parts. That's right. For sure. But it's definitely an accessible course 
that'll make it easy for people to find their way around it. Well, the the thing that's exciting is really again in collaborating with the with the community because I think that uh, and, and and cyclocross uh, uh, really is a great example of mm-hmm. of the way that the community comes out and designs a course, yep, right? Right. I mean, this really is so I, we don't all get all the credit for that, really. Yeah. That they come out. I mean, I hope mm-hmm. people in the cyclocross community know this is that it is the community members that are doing that, and and we over time will hopefully come up with some really challenging and interesting mm-hmm. courses. The right kind of changes that keep it interesting for people and make them want to come back. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really fun to see that, that infrastructure being built. I mean, for so long, especially when you think about cyclocross, you know, there, it's been a challenge working with the park board to build cyclocross courses because, you know, they can chew up the dirt (laughs) pretty, pretty effectively. Um, but having, having that space where, you know, that that can happen and, and it's comfortable is really an exciting thing. Well, cyclocross is, is really special too, right? There, yeah. there is, there is a very interesting sense of community mm-hmm. that is cyclocross of all the events you go yep. and you feel like you're right. Mountain bike has right. it too, but something yep. about cyclocross is really special. And yeah. I think that we, all the areas of, of, of biking, we have something to learn from the way the yeah. cyclocross community is running its Absolutely. events and growing its community. Absolutely. So um, yeah, it's, 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 it is exciting. Yeah. It's really fun to see it coming to life now, which is yeah. really cool. And I think I think, is it next year they're going to host the first high school cycling league race yep. on those trails? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, that'll be really fun, yeah. too. And I think it's, and right now it actually is turning into home base for many high school teams. There right? were at least three teams practicing when I was up there for the cyclocross uh, last week. That's right. So I think great. this is, uh, it, it is, because exci- this is in the hub, right, of mm-hmm. the city. I think yep. that makes it really exciting for yeah, us as well. Yeah, and I think you hit it on the head earlier. You can ride there. That's right. You know, I mean, if you don't have to get 16 bikes onto a van and organize all the kids to get there somehow, it's it makes practice way easier. Yeah. No, I, we're, we're looking, really looking forward to next that's, season. That's exciting. Uh, take us back in time a little bit. I mean, you've obviously built a lot of programs, both for ski and bike in the last few years. I mean, it really started from almost nothing a few years ago. Right. What, what were some of the inspirations for the programming and how did that develop? The, the, the biggest when the Lopet Foundation formed 16 years ago. In literally in the second year, they offered their first school-based program, hmm. and and right away the understanding um, was clear that it wasn't it, it, that there needed to be something that intentionally reached into community mm-hmm. and pulled kids in North Minneapolis into skiing. Mm-hmm. So Ann Watton was initially it was a, immediately the first program that was that was created there. So it's been around that long, yeah. and I think the program grew. Um, I kind of accidentally came into the organization as a volunteer <laughs> probably six years ago, okay. um, and. And then wound up five years. I've been with the organization five years. Is and it in been the, that long already? Yeah, it's crazy, wow. right? And in the in this five years, what we've done is we've really almost doubled the number of schools that have been involved. We've grown all of our adult programming around kind of intro to mm-hmm. um, the organization um, has become super solid in mm-hmm. that. And um, and I think there's something special. We're we're a little more entrepreneurial organization. Mm-hmm. Um, we we kind of do the ready shoot aim <laughs> approach to building stuff. Yep. And nothing's too big. I mean, even this last year we hosted the World Cup. Yeah. Um, you know the Masters World Cup. Mm-hmm. We're hosting a World Cup in 2020. I mean, yeah. so this small organization has always uh, been up to the challenge. And so the idea of youth programming has always been there. Mm-hmm. And we have slowly built it up and always have had the understanding is that skiing is the vehicle. Yeah. It's not the end result necessarily. Um, And that has uh, always been there. Piat. Um, Bernarski, Bernarski, who is our the, the, the director of Lopet Nordic Racing, mm-hmm. um, is one of the best coaches 
in the world. I mean, it's like, wow. and he's right here in our backyard. That's great. So the standard for how we do things mm-hmm. in our youth programming for kids who have less opportunity and less, fewer resources is exactly the same standard mm-hmm. that we use for Lopen Nordic Racing. That's great. And that's one of the elements I think that is really unique. I mean, I'm not picking on other programs, but <laughs> but but oftentimes there is the ability, you know, the the ability to get something done sometimes lets you, lets you settle for less. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know, that has always been part of what we have focused on. That's great. You know, and one of the things that, that I find uh, particularly compelling is about the adventures programs that you're that you've been building is that, you know, skiing doesn't make the adventures program feel like it's the tail of the dog. Right. You know, it's like it, it feels like the organization has gone has leaned in to that program really hard. Uh, which is really cool to see. And and, and Jason, that's the, that's a great observation. I think that's why I always talk about all three elements of mm-hmm. it because we, we one the adventures program is when growing and benefits from from the stability that the that the, the ski, revenue yeah. generating elements mm-hmm. of the organization create for yep, us. Yep. Lopen Nordic Racing creates a standard of excellence that mm-hmm. every our coaches who teach the kids who pay nothing are certified just like the key, the coaches who yeah. pay the kids who are paying thousands. Yep. Yep. Right. That's so, great. so that same thing um, uh, is there, and and it and it really does make a difference. And yeah. adventures, this idea of look at our mission over the last five mm-hmm. years. We went clearly skiing was in the organization. Then it was endurance events, mm-hmm. and you know we can. And then finally, our mission now specifically says that our goal is to engage people in the out of doors. Yeah. Period. That's great. So as you look five years, 10 years down the road, what's what's the vision for the adventure programs and, and Lopet Foundation generally? Well, I think I think our goal um, there is for first with the with the trailhead, we are going to work uh, intently around diversifying the sports and activities in our in our activities. Mm-hmm. But we see an opportunity to, to really play a role in diversifying all of the outdoors activities. The regional park system mm-hmm. is something and everybody knows Theodore Worth is actually a regional park. Yeah, um, that we really see the possibility of connecting and, and having a, an impact on the region relative to the use of our outdoor mm-hmm. space uh, by communities of color and low to moderate income families. Yep. And we believe we can start there. So we even have a partnership with the DNR hmm. um, at Theodore Worth. So you're going to actually, that's something people haven't seen yet, but you're going to see uh, DNR um, staff and DNR uh, trainers and coaches also at Theodore Worth Park. Uh, we have a vision for uh, expanding into an environmental education uh, wow. facility. Um, if we, we are really smack dab in the middle of the city. So what if we were able to create a new idea around environmental education mm-hmm. that was urban? Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're down the street from the schools that we serve rather mm-hmm. than having Audubon is a great place, but right. that's a little work, right? Yeah, it is. Um, so what if the kids could bike there yeah. or walk there yep. and learn about environmentalism in their neighborhoods, mm-hmm. right? What does that do in terms of net impact on, on how they see themselves in the world? Yeah. And that's, you know, something we, that's part of our, our, our broad vision. And we've, we're, we're talking about those things on a regular basis now. Yeah. Um, we see really a direct exciting. link to the schools mm-hmm. um, where we want kids biking to Theodore Worth park and taking an orienteering class. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, that that is that that we believe is the, the real possibility. Well, and you and you hook them with the fun. That's of right. Of the of the bike outing and the orienteering and 
well, wait a minute, I just learned something. Right. <laughs> and and when we when we can work with them young enough, I think that when we talk about youth development, the, the deal, and we all know this, is that when kids form their identity, mm-hmm. like middle school, high school, like it, it may be too late. Right. So if we can get to kids early, have them engaged in those things, and that's a unique, we're talking about environmental education mm-hmm. with activity. Yep. That's where we're thinking we have yeah. something that is unique. Yeah. And that's where you get it in their bones. And then we can get them through that identity formation period right. where they're still connected. Connected to biking, mm-hmm. still connected to out of doors, yeah. still doing things that are that are active and right. and a part of it, and then then when they get to high school, they they go ice ski, yeah, yeah. right. They don't go on a ski or they go ice right. ski, that's right? right. Yep. And it's and it's part of who they are, yeah. and then they never they never say that's for someone else, right? Or I'm not doing that, yeah. You know, and and I think that's what we see in the next five years is that. Yeah that focus around uh, diversifying the out of doors, mm-hmm. environmental education as an opportunity, but tying activity and physical activity specifically to that. Yeah. And ultimately getting schools to see physical activity mm-hmm. as an opportunity to impact behavior yeah. and therefore impact academic achievement. Well, and it's, it's interesting because it's dovetailing with a lot of things that are happening in the, in the broader uh, world, you know, and you talked about the specialized foundation and how much they're, how much emphasis they're putting on, you know, non bike race, Right. And, you know, there's just a big Canadian retailer that announced, you know, why are we so white in the outdoors? You know, there's a big hubbub in the outdoor industry about that. And I think people at that in the corporate world are are starting to figure out, you know, we need to be more uh, endemic to everybody's lives. That's right. You know, and so it's exciting to, to think about it you know, having all those things coming yeah. together. Well, and, and I think, you know, Minnesota, we, you know, we, I, I think in a lot of ways we don't think about it, but we are really doing some interesting work around that here. Either yeah. work that we're doing through, you know, we really your work in developing the cycling center. I mm-hmm. mean, that's there. Uh, the work we're doing at the Lopet Foundation, the work we started in Major Taylor 20 years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're connected. We are connected to all of those uh, linkages around the country yeah. from that's, here. It's it's exciting when, you know, I mean, it's a relatively small community to a certain yeah. degree. And yeah. so there, it's easy, easier to make some of those connections, but the fact that you can rally so many people uh, around those programs is, yeah. is really cool. F is coming. We're listening to, uh, you're listening to uh, WMCN, McAllister College Radio, 91.7 FM in St. Paul, Minnesota. This is Blast Beats and Bicycles. We're here in studio with Anthony Taylor. We've been talking a lot about the Lopet Foundation and the adventure programs uh, that he leads over there. Uh, Anthony, I want to shift gears a little bit because you've been part of a really cool program and uh, something I wish I had the ability to uh, participate in more frequently, but, you know, summer in Minnesota, right? There's a lot of stuff going on. But uh, the slow roll program that you that you've built over the last few years is really pretty compelling. Can you tell us kind of a little bit about what that what that what does? Yeah, slow roll is a uh, community bike ride that happens every week, uh, very simply with the idea of reconnecting people to the community mm-hmm. um, and using the bike as a means for that. Um, we uh, a few years ago, I was traveling in Detroit and working there and came across slow roll Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, I was shocked. It was unbelievable. The thousands of people on a bike ride. Wow. Um, met the founders. Oh, wow. And talk with them about it, and, and really what they said is it started out as something for them to kind of to take care of. The, you know, one guy just lost his job. He called mm-hmm. a couple buddies, and what they found themselves doing was riding in Detroit and rediscovering the city. Wow! And Detroit is definitely a place where there's so much happening, yeah. there's so much going on mm-hmm. that they they found themselves as longtime Detroiters rediscovering the city and how it felt, and. What really is, and I think people who bike know this, is that when you are on a bike, you bike in a community. Absolutely. When you're in a car 
or on a bus, you go through it. You, you go through it. Yep, that's right exactly on. right. You yep. go through it, and so you don't. Oh, you don't. You don't feel it, and that was uh, what it was. And we had been working on uh, programs to invite the community to bike. I mean, that's yep. really we want to grow the the community of, of sure, cyclists, right. and we tried lots of programs to do that. Major yep. Taylor's been doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, Birchwood's been doing. It, everybody's yep. been doing it. Yep. But everyone still had fifteen to twenty people on their right. rides, right? Right. And it was fifteen people, twenty people who knew um, each other, mm-hmm. and um, so. I was just was like, we got to do something different. And so uh, we started out working with Nice Ride Minnesota, actually, to do this community-based approach mm-hmm. um, where the rides were slower um, on purpose, yep. um, that we help people f- get their first bike, fix their bike up. And so slow rolls um, really evolved around truth and advertising that it really was a slow roll. <laughs> and um, so, uh, so and people saw that, and they were like, hmm. You know, rather than, you know, Major Taylor bike ride, you right. know, they were like, not yeah. me, nope. <laughs> you yep. know, yep. and um, so we, um, so in really launched Slow Roll um, as a way to get people to go, yeah, maybe I can try that. Yeah. And so we started uh, three years ago, mm-hmm. did our first Slow Rolls, and, and it was amazing. Almost, we had our very first Slow Roll, um, we did... Um, with one of our events, we had we had about a hundred people show up. That's great. All right, that was that That's was crazy, crazy. right? I, yeah. I like you know you've wow. been on a lot of bike rides. When was yep. the last time a hundred people showed up? That, right? Not that many. <laughs> I mean, and so um, we started doing more, and we were for a first season we were kind of jumping back and forth mm-hmm. across the river, and the last two seasons when I really said we have to focus on our community. Mm -hmm. So we have run, last year we did 21 bike rides emanating somewhere in North Minneapolis Mm -hmm. and connecting North Minneapolis to the rest of the city and showing people. And I just looked at the numbers and we averaged, um, we averaged about 47 people per ride. Our largest ride had 89 people. Um, it was almost 70% women. No um, kidding. Yeah, and and ninety plus percent um, people of color. That's great. So it was it. So it it really was an interesting to look back and see mm-hmm. that we were achieving that. But it was, um, you know, a slow roll, which is is about a, a seven to ten mile bike ride. Yep. We always take ninety minutes. Yep. We start with a DJ. We end with a community meal, right? Um, we 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 go places. We highlight businesses mm-hmm. that are women owned, uh, POC owned, mm-hmm. or we highlight projects. We actually did one ride where we snuck into the, uh, you know, the area over on the riverfront where the big domes yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. So we led a bike ride through there <laughs> and took community members there and talked to them about an upcoming project called mm-hmm. the Upper Harbor Terminal. Yeah. Right. So that was a that was another thing connecting them not just to the geography but to the uh, to the things that are coming. Mm-hmm. How could they be involved? Uh, new businesses mm-hmm. um, and and just connect how stuff lays out and people. Yeah. Really, I think God. Wow, I'm. You know, you know. How far are you from downtown? Really, from North Minneapolis, from Plymouth and Penn? Mile and a half tops. Mile and a half tops. Yeah. And people, it was like asking yep. people to go to St. Paul. Right. 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 I mean, it's the same or Madison for that yeah, matter. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Um, so that was what we found is that we people had the experience, and that's what we our feedback was mm-hmm. that they just didn't know. Right. Right. They didn't right. know it was that close. They didn't know where the bike lanes went. Mm-hmm. Right. So yep. we use a lot of bike lanes. Yep. We use a lot of infrastructure yep. and riding people to Lake Calhoun from the North Minneapolis. I'm mm-hmm. telling you, they they felt like they were teleported. Yeah, I somewhere. Bet. I bet. Um, so that intent of connecting to people, one another, mm-hmm. connecting people to community yep. and connecting people to the opportunity. Yeah. Those are all the things we do. And, and it's there's so much 
percolating up there right now. I mean, there's so much going on. You know, you've got Thor with their new facility there and all of that permanent bike infrastructure, that those protected bikeways that are up there. So, I mean, getting people exposed to that and aware of what's available to them, that's a great goal. And, and you know, what we're trying to do is get them... So the way I think about it is that I'm, we're trying to build the value of this coming infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So if we have rides and activities where people are now have positive emotional connections to the bike, they see where they can go from the north side to all of the city, yeah. to the parkways, all those things. Yep. When they see a bike lane, they go, bike lane, yep. instead of going, bike lane. Bike lane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Instead of, somebody stole my parking space, right? <laughs> right. I mean, and that yep. that really is is it, is it? And I think that that's the intent. How do we build the value yeah. of this activity in the lives of community members mm-hmm. so that they see value in a bike lane? Yeah. And if you don't bike, you do not see value in a bike lane. Right. And it's kind of like what we were talking about off air, you know, the biking as transportation is a hard over- hurdle for people to overcome because it's emotionally that feels like I'm not, you know, on my way up. That's right. And there's a lot of psychology associated with that. That's right. And yeah. and biking, I know this, you know the other thing that really and I say this all the time is that you and I bike, so we think everybody bikes, right? Right, Every, right everybody in our universe bikes <laughs> totally. and we yeah. I mean we're still what is 6% of trips bike work trips by yeah. you know car the goal is 15% someday mm-hmm. yep. um and we're going to get there maybe um but <laughs> i think the bottom line is that we have to also realize we're at the, we're at the very beginning stages of this yep. movement yep. so we've got to come up with some strategies that engage the average mm-hmm. person yeah. to see this as a possibility yep. right um and that's really the that's where we have to kind of back up a little because yep. otherwise we think everybody bikes right and right? if you build it they will come and if you build it they will come yeah. right and that's that's true to a certain degree cuz you have to have a safe space for people, but at the same time, if you don't have programs that people are going to feel like, oh, I can explore this and confidently be aware of it and use it, that's right. Uh, they won't. And I and I'm almost, you know, I I'm trying to get involved in things and say, look, if you every time you build infrastructure, mm-hmm. you have to fund some programming. Like that would be the way I like literally. Yeah. Every you build a bike lane, you need to build. You need to fund a program that introduces the community to that bike lane. Right. Right. Yep. Every time we when we build a cycling center, we're going to get it done. Right. What we have to do is fund. Literally make the money available to introduce the community to the opportunities right. there. Yep. Introduce youth. Introduce families. Yep. And introduce people to why this matters to their life. That's right. Right. Not why yep. it matters to us, yep. but what, what what it can mean to them. And that yeah. now we're building the value of coming mm-hmm. infrastructure relative to the quality of life people yeah. want for themselves. So I'm curious to know what uh, kind of repeat uh, riders you have on your events. Do you have the same 47 people every week? No, we we, we don't. What we found is that the, we did 21 rides. Uh, the average person did eight rides. Oh, okay. Right? Um, we also cultivate a, a unique piece of it, which is we have a group of people we call squad. And this is where we start building cycling ambassadors. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a group of, we recruited about 20 people. This year we had a goal of 14 women. Mm-hmm. So that was our kind of our, our goal yeah. was really how do we activate women to yeah. be a part of this. Yep. And we help them become more confident and competent cyclists because they lead the rides. That's great. Right. So we also help them get a bike. Mm-hmm. Um, but nice. what I've even found with that is that, you know, we have a lot of free bike programs yep. and, and I appreciate every one of them. Mm-hmm. The challenge for me is that, um, that in some ways we're almost devaluing a bike because a bike should be free. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's real. I mean, you, and have yep. you ever put to get, put 10 bikes on a bike rack and someone walks up to you and said, are those free? 
<laughs> I mean, I can't imagine what that would be like. <laughs> I mean, it happens all the time. Wow. Um, and so I think the thing that we're saying, and I think that's why we were building this thing where we built people's competence and confidence and built the value of a bike. And so then when they yep. got a new bike, they were like, oh, this makes a huge difference. Right. Right. Yep. Now I know how to change my flats, do these things. Yeah. And so when I get this new bike, it's actually filling in the space between where my old bike was and where my talent has grown. Yep. Yep. Right. Yep. And now they, when they get on it, they immediately feel the difference of what a lighter mm-hmm. bike means, what yep. a different, what a longer wheelbase means, yep. what a, you know that kind of well, stuff. Invest then. them, invest them in the care and maintenance of the of the bike too, right? I mean, yep. if you've earned it, right, rather than just having been handed to it, and that's true of everything, right? That's I mean, everything. if somebody hands something to you, it, it doesn't matter. But right. If you well, for it, and the 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 thing though, I was saying the appreciation of it because I know. Um, until you are already biking, you just, every bike is the same. Right. Right. Yep. It just, it, they just are. Yep. Right. Yep. And so your goal is to, to invest the smallest amount you can. Mm-hmm. That, and actually what I say is people go, how much am I willing to put at risk so that I, if I don't like this. Right. And that number is under a hundred dollars. Really? Yeah. It, wow. I mean, and that's what we, I'm, you know, I think about it too much probably, but, I'm, <laughs> but, but I really, that's how I think about it. I go, what is the, the average person, what, how much money are they willing to put at risk right. investing in a bike? I and mean, when yep. you talk to beginners, this is how they talk about yeah, it. Yeah. How much am I willing to put at risk that I won't like this? Right. Because right? otherwise it's going to sit in the garage. It's going to sit in the garage. Yep. And they go a hundred bucks. Yeah. Right. Interesting. And, and I go, unfortunately, people are willing to put more at risk in a pair of shoes. Yeah. Than a bike. Yeah. And so we have a we have a problem there, yep. right? And that's what I'm trying to increase is that thing, people's experience mm-hmm. and they go, I've been enjoying this. How much am I willing to invest in what I've already enjoyed? Right. And that number goes up to three hundred dollars. Yeah. Right. And at three hundred dollars, you can buy a really quality bike now, yeah, you right? Can. Yep, absolutely. Now you're absolutely. in the space where you can buy a bike that will work for you. Yeah. That probably has quick release, yeah, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, that has a, you know, that has a quick release on the seat yep. and can do a seat adjustment and you right. can repair. Yeah. You can change the bottom bracket yep. on. Yeah. Right. You know, and it makes it makes me think too, you know, cyclists, you know, people who are active, you know, who say I I'm a cyclist. Right. Are often disparaging of a of a department store bike, right? But that's that's the gateway for people. That's right? right. I mean, that's how you get them excited about something that's going to cost them another order of magnitude more. That's right. You know? and, and even the even the the stores, uh, you know, the was it the, the mass market? Yep. You know, bikes. The the truth of the matter is they've gotten better mm-hmm. and better and better. And right. I and I'm a geek, so I go through Target every spring <laughs> and I look at literally every one of their bikes that they yeah. have an offering. And I'm telling you, they have had a couple single speed bikes that were in there mm-hmm. that were worth buying. Yeah. They have they have had bikes. Over eight hundred dollars on their floor. Wow. I mean, their their focus is really that hundred to two hundred dollar range. Mm-hmm. But they've started to build some bikes and put together some bikes that actually are okay. The problem is there's no service relationship with that bike. Right. And every bike has has a problem that mm-hmm. in the first ninety days, yep. the hubs the, the spokes get loose. Yep. Right. It gets out of true. Yep. Your cables right? start to cables stretch. start to stretch. Yep. That is built into every bike. Right. So we already know that's built in. So when you buy a bike for $150 from Target, mm-hmm. guess what you don't have is the ability to right. handle the stuff that's going to happen that's anyway. Right. So, that, so you, yep. you have a bad bike experience. Right. Yep. Right. Yep. And so then that that exacerbates the problem. That, that's of exactly the emotional right. investment. That's right. Yeah. And then yep. you also don't know how to get around. So you, when you get on a bike, you get on a bike with your car brain, mm-hmm. and you have just set yourself forth for the worst biking experience on the planet. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If you live in mid in Frogtown, St. Paul, yep, and you don't know 
where the bike lanes are. Right. They're not far from University Avenue. No. But you try to ride on University Avenue? It's a, yeah, death trap. It's a I death mean, trap. Yeah. Right? You yep. try to ride on Snelling? Yeah. The way you would drive here? Uh, yeah, no way. No <laughs> right? way. Right? Yeah. Should you ride on Grand or should you go one block over to Lincoln? I don't, yep. But when you bike, you you figure that stuff out. Absolutely. Right? You yep. know, okay, I'll go a couple blocks north to Marshall, take right. Marshall over to so-and-so, I'll come down Farview and then take Farview to some, right? You yep. know you know that, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Rather than take, exactly. you know. Yep. It, it, so, so there's an element. That's what I mean by you have to help people. Um, get that. You yeah. have to help people cha- reframe how mm-hmm. they're going to get around and have a positive experience with their new bike. Yeah. Otherwise, we lose them. And I know we keep losing people because Target's selling a lot of bikes. They are. And they're not all out on the road. <laughs> they're not on the road. <laughs> they're not on the road. Exactly. You're listening to uh, Blast Beats and Bicycles here on 91.7 WMCN, uh, McAllister College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota. We've got Anthony Taylor from the Lopet Foundation and the Slow Roll Program uh, here in studio with us. Uh, and we've been talking a lot about the Slow Roll Program. Anthony, I'm curious to know what you guys have planned for uh, this coming summer. Next summer, um, I think that the biggest thing that we're going to do next summer is um, is really expand a little bit. I think that we want to maybe do Slow Roll in a couple communities mm-hmm. um, because I do think it is very place-based. It needs mm-hmm. to kind of be. So I think we're going to do some expansion. Um, we, you know, as Patrick Stevenson, you don't know this yet um but but uh the joyride <laughs> are we are we getting an exclusive here? um I, you know i i i'm looking i want to collaborate with people that are doing great riding yeah right and fun riding yep. and getting people on on bikes and i think he's absolutely yeah, doing absolutely. that so it's joyful riding clubs. joyful riding yeah, i mean it's great so i think i'm i'm always looking at those those kind of opportunities um mm-hmm. i would love to and you know we're working on a project with the city um around cultural corridors cool. um which is something new that is going to be percolating up and uh, and really thank our, our city officials are really doing a great job on leading that. Um, one of the opportunities I really see is a possibility of creating uh, many more rides that are like the cultural corridor yep, rides. Right. Um, we're gonna this year. You know, we did this women's history ride last yeah. year. Mm-hmm. I want to do more rides that are tying art and riding. I just mm-hmm. met a bunch of people from Heart of the Beast. That's what I think Fun. is a next opportunity for us to do these rides that take people. And help them have emotional experiences again yeah. by um, art, mm-hmm. live performance, Very music, cool. and those rides are connected in, in that way. And I think, and and we keep people together and have yep. a, have a, a shared experience of it. And it's amazing, you know. You talked a little bit about the idea of riding in a place as opposed to riding through a place, and having those experiences where you connect with cultural touch points. That's right. Really, in, it deepens that connection. Yeah, and that's yeah. and that's that's really the. I think that's where we're headed, and what we plan to do more of next year. That's that's really cool. So, are you going to still do the same kinds of general geography and locations and and. Uh, yeah, of rides. I, I think I think that when we think about the hubs in the city, I, you know, Northside is a hub. I yep. mean, as a community, I think Southside is a hub, actually. Mm-hmm. Right. When we think Absolutely. about that, you know, we look at the central area between Nicollet and, you know, I don't know, even the river. Right. Yep. I mean, that is a really interesting hub. And a it lot is. of history has happened there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of cultural, interesting kind of connective stuff there. Yeah. So I think that's another area where we can do that. I In St. Paul is its own universe. Right. Yep. Um, but every one of those locations has a unique cultural history tied mm-hmm. to kind of what's happened, yep. uh, the geography that is shaped by the lakes or the river right. or the development of Lake Street yeah. or the development of 55. All Each one of those um, is doing that. And the nature of biking 
is that it is it's your one to three mile radius, right? Mm-hmm. So that's really the other thing, and kind of in the background yeah. of our development is that we want to build these these kind of bike ecosystems around three mile radiuses of a hub. Mm-hmm. So if we choose Plymouth and Penn and do a three mile radius, if we choose uh, a location downtown on Seventh mm-hmm. near the state, what's the three mile radius of that? If we choose Thirty Eighth and Nicollet, yep. what's the three mile radius of that? Right. Yeah. If we choose uh, the Rondo community as a mm-hmm. hub, what's the three mile radius of that? And what is in that? Yeah. And we know that d- trips by bike and by car under three miles are the same amount of time. They are. Yep. You're 100% right. Right. I've even actually clocked it just to prove that to myself. Right. It totally works. That's right. And that's how we can now instill this in the culture of a community and possibly mm-hmm. really move the needle in terms of how we get more people to see biking as yeah. a viable option for how they yep. get around yep. and how they connect to their neighborhoods. Yeah. That's that's really exciting stuff. Yeah. That's really exciting stuff. And you you know you, you talked a little bit about how you wanted to grow this you know grow the sport of cycling as kind of the foundation of this. What are you seeing in terms of people elevating themselves in their enthusiasm for bikes and stuff like that? Well, every it, it all kind of percolates up, right? I mean, you know, if someone sticks with something, they inevitably ride faster, right? And the, and riding fast is joyful, right? <laughs> <laughs> it just happens. That's kind of the point, right? <laughs> um, so so really, I think the you know uh, coming from slow roll. Um, to our work with the Major Taylor Biking Club, um, you know, and there are there are over forty Major Taylor clubs around the country now. No kidding. And we are working to connect their work through the National Brotherhood of Cyclists. Mm-hmm. And I was describing we actually uh, worked with Hennessy over the last year mm-hmm. to promote Major Taylor legacy. But in the process of doing that, we've been percolating up efforts around the clubs mm-hmm. locally, and and we're going to be doing a national ride on December first. That's going to happen in over twenty five cities, uh, really celebrating Major Taylor birthday and the legacy of it. Mm-hmm. But what this has done is connected this national network of, of primarily uh, uh, bike clubs, primarily focused on growing African-American cycling. Mm-hmm. And what they have done is supported the sport. That's great. Right. So yeah. this is the group of, of people that are uh, making significant investments in bikes. Their vacations are built around bikes yep. and they want to promote racing. That's great. Right. They want to promote advanced, you know, adventure based, fast based yep. touring. Mm-hmm. Um, and they travel. So I was just saying that Jason, you know, Justin Williams and his brother yep. came out of being supported by the Rasan Bahati group in California, mm-hmm. which came out of the major Taylor club, Los Angeles. Yeah. Right. Yep. So they have been supported and percolated up. So we see more opportunities for you to do that with a little more intention. And, um, it's, you know, there's just really there's really interesting stuff going on. Rally cycling here in the mm-hmm. Twin Cities. Um, I think we have a lot to learn from the way that they have been growing the team and growing yep. the sport. I agree. And I think that that's someone we want to kind of reach and connect to yeah. because they're doing things the right way. And I think we can we can grow uh, the sport of cycling. Yeah. Uh, through those through that national network of clubs um, that are the not usual suspects. Yeah. It's it, this is amazing stuff. It sounds like it's really you've got some great traction built already, and and you you know nowhere to go but up. It seems like too, which is really exciting. Yeah, it's you know it's it's a good time, and I think we um, uh, again we uh, I I really uh, am uh, very well supported by Major Taylor Bike Club here, by mm-hmm. the Lopet Foundation, by the cycling community broadly. I mean, yeah. I mean, no one in the cycling community ever says no. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And, and we ran into each other at yep. Art Crank the last time. Yep. Right. And yep. just running into everyone. No one ever says no. Right. When you say, I need help. Yeah. Right. Or I have a kid who needs a bike. Absolutely. Or I have a kid who needs a job. Yeah. Or whatever it is. No one ever says no. And I think right. um, that's that's really something special about our community. Yeah. And I, I and I hope we can connect them more broadly where they see the value of supporting Slow mm-hmm. Roll yep. or see the value of supporting Joe for Writers Club. Yeah. And that those those two groups then see there's the value of going to the velodrome. That's right. Right. That's right. I mean, that's that's yep. that's the work I think that we have to close yeah. the gap on in the next. Well, and I don't years. know if this has been true in you know the uh, the people of color and you know non traditional cyclists generally uh, as a result of this Hennessy campaign, but I can tell you there hasn't been much that's sparked the excitement and the imagination of, of track cyclists more than that sort of retrospective of Major Taylor and how great that campaign was. Yeah. And and I think even you you mentioned the six days. Yep. Right. I mean, people don't, Major Taylor built his brand, that his breakout event was a six day at Madison Square Garden. Right. Yep. right. And that, and that's really, so the, still the roots of it. I yep. mean, I think that's really part of it. And I think we yep. have to do a, a better story, a better job yep. of telling the story in, its, in, in the continuum. I couldn't agree of more. what it means. Yep. And even the symbolism of the bicycle in 1888, 1899, 18, as representing mobility and freedom. For so many people. For so many people. And yeah. for women. Yep. For commu- right? Absolutely. I mean, so I think, again, we don't elevate that enough. We yeah. don't elevate the bike as a symbol of mobility. Agreed. And in America right now, mobility is the charge. How do we create the most mobility for the most, mo- yep. most people? Yep. Uh, you just brought us full circle. So, Anthony, this has been really fun to have you in studio. You know, always good to see you, and thank yeah. you for everything you do. Absolutely. This is a ton of fun. And uh, we're going to put some uh, links to uh, your work with the Lopet Foundation and Slow Roll up on our Instagram and uh, Twitter feeds for the show. And uh, we've got a couple of housekeeping things we need to do. First of all, we need to tell remind people that Election Day is uh, November 6th here in the United States. That's a Tuesday. It's an exciting involvement opportunity for every member of the student body here at McAllister, the faculty, staff, and the broader community around the campus. Uh, Mac students who are at least 18 and U.S. citizens are eligible to vote. Even if you're not eligible, you can volunteer, door knock, and help Mac the vote. You can visit www.mcallister.edu slash CEC to find information on voting through Election Day. And then as we always do to end the show, we've got our event calendar coming up. So uh, this weekend, in fact, today is Revolution Cyclocross. Uh, that's happening up towards uh, St. Cloud. Star Cross is uh, happening next week on the 3rd and 4th. Uh, the Croy Cross is on November 10th. Theodore Worth Cyclocross, we were talking about earlier, is going to be taking place on November 11th. And then our state cyclocross championships are on November 17th. And, of course, the Minnesota Cycling Center Gala is on November 26th. You have been listening to Blast Beats and Bicycles here at McAllister College Radio 91.7 FM. Tune in next week uh, for great new guests and some great new music. Thanks for listening. Bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. I want to ride my I say white, you say bar, I say bite, you say shark, I say him and George was never my scene, and I don't like Star Wars. You say Rose, I say Royce, you say God, give me a choice, you say Lord, I say Christ, I don't believe in Peter Pan, Frankenstein.